Hi, I'm Marcus, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. You can too by visiting patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listener to episode 43 of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I am John. Joining me as always is Mo. Hey, everybody. And George is here as always. Hey, how's it going, guys? In this episode, we're going to talk about a new adult themed animation series on Netflix, some technology you can use in the bedroom, but not what you're thinking, and an open-ended puzzler game. But first, we are going to crack open my favorite part of the show, which is the fourth listener mailbag. Oh, sorry. It is talking to George. Even Mo is confused about that. I know, because Mo is on the right track. You're the only one who's wrong. (laughs) Well, you know, I might shift based on uh, some of the email we have in this episode, because there's a little criticism aimed directly at me. Can you believe it? That's good. I I find that hard to believe. (laughs) I do not find it hard to believe at all because I do that all the time when we're not on the air. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm thinking like also that, you know, since John vets the emails, I thought he was just filtering those out automatically. You think I filter those out, wouldn't you? (laughs) (laughs) He was, but that's all that's available this time. There's nothing else. (laughs) He didn't have a choice. Quite the contrary. I will tell you that the, the inbox is actually overflowing. We are getting so much fourth listener email coming in. And you should all know we read every single piece of your email and usually we we're getting just you know a smattering of it and we cover it right away we have a backlog actually so if you don't hear your mail read on this episode chances are it's coming but first let's get out of the way the one that's critical to me but the one the one the there's one. just one out of the thousands <laughs> of emails the, the one of the two i selected yes <laughs> <laughs> and rightfully so. You'll see that we don't just read praise. This fourth listener email came from Nathan. And Nathan said, would John please learn that SFGE does not stand for South Florida Gaming Expo? <laughs> All right. So, John, have you learned? <laughs> He's absolutely right. So last episode, we talked about the Retro Jacks. And in the conversation, it come up that we were looking forward to the Southern Fried Gaming Expo in Atlanta. But take a listen. I, I took a sampling of exactly what Nathan is talking about. So just listen. Yeah, which we went to. Yeah. yeah. And it was fun. It was like a baby version of either like Free Play Florida or the South Florida Gaming Expo. It's <laughs> like if you combined Wrong. the scope of a South Florida Gaming Expo <laughs> machines here, maybe, maybe even the South Florida Gaming Expo. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, so Nathan's so right. just once, actually, is it? <laughs> right. Every time I say it. Not only that, he picks the one state that it's not even in. It's not even it's in. It's in Georgia. You're right. And he's You're going right. South Florida. So I'm uh, going to try to learn. So I know it's called Southern in. Fried. I grew up in Central Florida. And so every time I see SF something in an acronym, in my brain, I think South Florida, even though I'm clearly aware that it's the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. So You could say San Francisco, <laughs> so that's better, I guess. That would make no sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> my brain closer. would not assume. So Nathan, right, you you are. Thank you for writing in. We appreciate it. And I yeah, will Nathan, get keep better. Keep pointing out John's mistakes. <laughs> That's, it's not right? necessary, but you can if you like. <laughs> Nathan's our new favorite fourth listener. Absolutely. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. The next uh, piece of fourth listener email comes from Mike. And we actually got several people writing in, hearing us talk about media, suggesting things we should watch. Uh, and Mike had a couple of suggestions. The first, he said, there's a series on Netflix called The 80s that yep, we should check I've out. Seen that. Yeah, yep, that was originally on that. CNN. And I did watch it when it was on there. Mm-hmm. Mike is right. Mo, did you check out The 80s yet or when it was on CNN? No, I haven't yet. Uh, it's very good. Not only is it right in our wheelhouse of uh, kind of retro nostalgia, but CNN did a whole series like from the 70s through the 2000s, I think, you know, every kind of decade. Uh, I only watch the 80s because that's all I care about, but I did watch that one. <laughs> a new thing he suggests is a series called Tacoma FD on True TV. I'd never heard of this one. Me neither. Yeah, I've seen a couple of the commercials for this. There's a couple of the guys from Super Troopers on it. That's right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a comedy like police slash fireman slash thing that's on True TV. And you're right, it has Super Troopers guys in it. Uh, it looks funny. You know, Mike commented that he wasn't sure if it was going to be a bunch of bathroom humor, uh, which has its place. Not terrible yeah, if it is. I but mean, let's, let's, not, let's not be too down on that. Yeah. So Mike finally just said uh, he's been enjoying following us on the GXG Con tour and wondered if the uh, if that should be a T-shirt, like with all of the cities <laughs> that we go to on the back. <laughs> Maybe if we have more than three or four, we, perhaps we will have to start doing convention. Or just use a really <laughs> big shirts. font size. <laughs> yeah, just huge font, like you did when you were in school. It's like, I don't have enough words. Let's just increase the spacing and up the font. <laughs> there you go. That works. <laughs> okay. So Mike, thanks for writing in. We thank all our fourth listeners that take the time to write in, even if you're correcting my inability to remember the name of a convention. Especially. <laughs> yeah. If yeah particularly John. if yeah. it's criticism, by all means. If you criticize John, you will definitely get rid on air. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you just opened a floodgate. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get into the meat of the show right after this. AMF took 10 of its lightweight Roadmaster bicycles to Willow Springs, California, and road tested them. Roadmaster. Road tested for performance. Roadmaster. Road tested for maneuverability. Roadmaster. Road tested for durability and reliability. Well, let's kick it off right here at the beginning, as we always do, talking about media, TV shows and movies and music and comics and whatever it is we've been consuming in the world of media. And I got to say that both of you guys like stole the top two things I wanted to talk about <laughs> in media. So I'm going to have to just kind of glob job, on George. it. Well played. <laughs> That's right. Mission accomplished. Thief! Stop thief! <laughs> let's start with you, George. You have a show on Netflix, an animated series that you were actually looking forward to last episode called Love, Death and Robots. So tell us a little about that. Well, yeah, I had to put it in the show notes this time because I don't want to have to remember to talk about it at the end of the year thing because I can't remember yeah, it from you're just dodging you. looking back and looking forwards I'm trying to just get that out of the way now so no there so it's a great little series it's called love death and robots it's definitely adult oriented this is yes, not is. for children I wouldn't even really recommend this beyond like below 16 even I mean this is definitely adult it's got 18 episodes the episodes range from a minute and a half to like 17 18 minutes so it's it's really consumable. I've watched the entire series in like a night yeah. and a oh, half, yeah. two okay. nights. I like how the series, it's all animated, It has, but it has different yeah. animation styles, even though it's done by the same animation studio. So looking at the different styles, I would not have thought that. Right, exactly. Yeah, because there's different, there's like cell yeah. shading techniques, there's cartoonish Anime-ish stuff, looking. there's hyper-realistic animation stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of them like uh, Sony's Edge. That's where a lady, she's in this underground beastie fight 
world where they kind of instead of controlling robots with you know controls or something that was they the control, first one yep. yeah yeah animal beast things with their minds which is really cool there's another one called when the yogurt took over oh, yeah. maybe one of my that favorites was that was <laughs> funny a, that was a unique one. It's basically what happens if yogurt becomes a sentient being. Yep. Yeah. And way smarter than us, apparently. <laughs> right. Uh, one of my favorites, I think I liked it a lot, was Beyond the Aquila Rift. That was a really good one about a ship that goes through a transport portal thing and ends up at the far edge of the universe. Yeah, that, that was, was a really weird cool. one. So I haven't seen that one yet. I've watched about half of these so far. So careful spoiling oh, yeah. these. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not halfway spoil through. Them, but okay, there's good. Yeah, yeah. Probably the best one of the series, the one that actually got me in the emotional feels, was Lucky 13. And I think the reason this is another hyper realistic uh, animation style, but the main actress, they modeled the character after her. It's Poussey from Orange is the New Black. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, she's okay. the main actress in it. I don't want to spoil it, but it's essentially her as a military pilot. Oh, okay. Hmm, okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they were all good though. Like I said I, th- I thought they were all like I didn't have any that I hated. You know, I had ones I like more than others. Sure. But I liked yeah, them there's all. a couple that were a little weak, but you know, you're throwing out 18 short stories from different authors and with different creative crews behind them and stuff. The only thing that seems to be in common is the main animation studio that's running the whole show. I wouldn't have guessed they were all from the same studio. They were yeah, oh, they all vary so mm-hmm. broadly. They harken back a bit to heavy metal. Yeah, that was yes, my first thought too. Very like much. the good he- yep. when because heavy metal had some things that were just like not good and some things that were really good. And I think these You're were right. like more toward the really good heavy metal stuff. <laughs> so the question I want to ask the two of you. So ironically, for me anyway, the thing that would have made me watch this as a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> right. yeah. which is kind of like some of the gratuitous nudity and the, like the shock value kind of uh, is almost like it feels gratuitous and unnecessary here. I'm curious what you guys think about. Now, I'm not offended. You know, I mean, there's full frontal nudity, both male and female is throughout this series. Did it distract you? How did you feel about it? Did it? What were your thoughts on using that in the animation? For me, I would say that there's the shock value that happens right when you first see it mm-hmm. in the first few episodes. It's like, oh, OK, this is definitely mm-hmm. adult oriented, but I liked the fact that they didn't shy away from the full frontal nudity of both male and female. We tend to think of like if we see full frontal nudity for a female, that's become standard almost in some case. If there's going to be full frontal nudity, it's likely a woman in most things. But having the male full frontal nudity, I was like, okay, at least they're portraying it equally. It's not, we're just here to objectify Mm -hmm. women. They're showing both sides of it. So it's a little bit more realistic. I felt like they used most of it pretty well. One of the best ones was the, um, the girl who witnesses a murder and then mm-hmm. starts oh, yeah. running from yeah. the guy. There's yeah. some gratuitous nudity in that episode, but I felt like it all fit together with the story. Basically, this character is running through the streets virtually nude for the half of this episode. I'm like, at some point, wouldn't she like just tie up that robe well, she's wearing? No, I guess not. You're running from a killer. <laughs> and that's, well, and that's the thing, you know, what are you thinking of at that moment? You're trying to get away from somebody who's mur- trying, who just murdered someone and they're now they're chasing you. You know, you're not yeah. worried about your robe at that point. It's like, <laughs> I just don't want to die. Good point. Mo- what about you? What did you think about? You've watched all of them again. Admittedly, yeah, yeah. I'm halfway through. How did you feel about that usage? Uh, actually, I don't think that the nudity was gratuitous. Actually, okay, good. You know, I thought it all seemed to fit within the storyline because even the girl that you said that was like running naked. Well, there was a reason why she was naked. Like to start, like it wasn't just you know she was in the middle and of changing right. or something like that. Right. You know, well, you can have a reason that you're it. nude, but not be nude because we do right. it all the time in broadcast television. It's just maybe it's just different because this is made for not not broadcast. This is made for streaming. Yeah. So, but I thought I thought they were all 
all just pretty. I mean, I thought there were there's nothing like really tasteless in it. You know, nothing. I was like, oh my god, that's just like just wrong. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I thought it was appropriate, personally. And I don't mean to just focus on just that one aspect of it. I agree that this is a an amazing series. Oh, sure. And I wholeheartedly recommend quality, it to well anybody done. who's not easily offended or finds that stuff, you know, titillating stuff offensive. I would look past it. I'm just curious because it's it's a very different way to approach animation. And I only ever saw it really done in like Fritz the Cat and, and Heavy yeah. Metal before this. Right. But I like that just like with Heavy Metal, they don't, I don't know, it's like they're not shy about it, but they're not... Like, here's a bunch of sex. You know, we just want you to watch it for that. No, they're trying to tell real stories and they're really good at it. I mean, a lot of these episodes have some brilliant storytelling and voice acting in them. And I don't want the nudity to take away from that. And I don't think it does either. Well, that's what I've been watching for the last couple of days. Mo, what about you? I was actually checking out a movie that I was really looking forward to from uh, Jordan Peele called Us. Oh, yeah. The one <laughs> that you stole from me last time. Another thing I wanted to talk about yep. that's uh, now Mo stole. <laughs> Mo, yep, Mo stole right. it twice. Mine, he stole it from yours. me in the Looking Forward, and now he stole it from last you in episode. the media section. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. That's my goal yeah. in life, man. <laughs> Good job, Mo. <laughs> so, um, and so, I mean, the, uh, the trailer just like intrigued me, creeped me out, did hit all the right buttons for me to go see this movie. I saw it. And let me tell you, I liked the movie up until they explained everything. <laughs> oh no. The explanation was bad, huh? It just didn't make sense. It just, it was just, I mean, I could forgive a lot, you know, I, I could go with a lot, but this one just was just like, I'm like, what? Would it have been better if they had not explained it? Almost, I think. I think it actually would have been. The thing is, it's like, and the whole thing with the family, I mean, I'm, again, we don't want to doing spoilers on this show, but up until that point, though, it was a really good suspenseful movie, and there was just the weirdest, and they jumped right, right into it. There's no, like, real long pauses in it. There was parts that were very creepy. It wasn't as creepy as I thought it was going to be, actually. It wasn't. It still wasn't as horror-y as I thought. I think yeah, when I thought we it was said looking forward to it, George, you were like, you know, get out, the Jordan Peele first did, mm-hmm. wasn't very horror-ish. It was more like this just drama suspense thing. Right. And you felt, oh, this is going to scratch that itch of more it horror. It seemed that way, at least from the trailer. It a little more, but not kind really, of no. <laughs> not as much as you'd think based on what the trailer looks like. Yeah. And I tell you, what really saved it, though, was the acting. At least up until that point. You know, I mean, the acting was great. I mean, they had two of the alumnus from uh, Black Panther were in it. Right. And the kid actors were fantastic, I thought. I thought it was like I was into the story. I thought it was weird. It had parts. That I was like, holy crap. And then they said, OK, here's. Here's, here's the wrap up explanation of everything. And it just, that just left me flat. I know. And John, you saw it with me. So what did you I think? I saw it with you, right. And so we talked a little bit outside the theater that it's just like he was doing so much and he had so many ideas and he's like, let's bolt all these weird ideas together. And they didn't, for me at least, form a cohesive story. It's like, yeah. what if this? And what if this? And what if this? And the very beginning of the film, before it starts on black, they print some things in text, just like yeah. FYI, here's some information for you. And I'm like, really? why are you telling okay. me this? Yeah, that's and then odd. later I'm like, Oh, they had to tell me this for anything to make any sense later. They had to tell me about that. And that showed me as like a sign of weakness. Like if you can't tell the story in the movie, you've got to tell me up front about just so you know, there's, you know, it'd be like doing a World War II movie. At the beginning, they said, just so you know, in the early 40s, there was a conflict throughout the world. You know, like you can like tell me the story of the war in the movie and tell me that it existed. If you have to do a preamble to a story, it's not a good story. You got to go back and retune it, right? Or I could see doing the preamble if it had a better payoff at the end. Yeah, maybe I'd have forgiven that. Yeah, you know, then I'd be like, okay, but the payoff just Some wasn't there. Some of them have had really good preambles. Like if you look at Blade Runner, not, oh, yeah, not the perfect. second Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner. Yeah. You know, that text flowing across the screen sets the scene and sets the world. It's not like that, it, though. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's not, it's like, not that. like that. No, it's not. Yeah. It's more like a factual. Oh, did you yeah. know? You know, FYI. Yeah, and I don't want to say this is a bad movie. I think I I enjoyed being at it, and there were yeah. some things in it that I thought were cool and surprising. And there was a twist in the movie that I'm like, the most saw coming. I didn't necessarily, which is fine. But, but as taken as a whole, I don't think I would see it again for any particular reason. Yeah, especially knowing the end. This sounds more like a movie that you guys were okay going to see because you have the three movies per week movie pass <laughs> thing rather than if you paid, you know, full general price on a Saturday. I, know, I would have not knowing what I know now, if I like, going into it, I would have paid to see this for sure right off the bat. Yeah, but how because, did you feel afterwards? How would you feel afterwards? After? Yeah, I would say, yeah. yeah, if I could use my free ticket, I'm glad I used my free ticket. Right. That. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that's the whole thing for me. If I go to see a movie, it's all about that dollar regret. If I feel like <laughs> that I got $15 worth out of the movie, because that's generally what they cost now for yeah, just the ticket, yeah, yep. then okay, great. I'm happy with it. If I feel like, you know, I would have rather spent $15 at McDonald's. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't have gone and seen that movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? I, said, I just wish he would have just pulled back just a little bit, got rid of some of the ideas and just kept focusing on a few others. I think it would have been Feels like, like maybe movie. he could have made two different films and- separated out all these different tools that he was trying he to He maybe could have made three with different pieces of ideas he jammed into this one, frankly. Yeah, really. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it definitely pushed the boundaries for me as far as um, accepting what was happening. You mm-hmm. know, some movies I can forgive yeah. and just sort of go with certain things. This one, I'm like, okay, I just can't go with this. <laughs> yeah, a huge plot holes. You know, the, I, I was spoiled to talk about here, but like, you know, how were these people alive? And how is, how could, who did it? And, you know, what's, is there a science, is there a government plot or something? They don't explain any of that. It's just like, take it as a given. You just have to suspend your disbelief. And it, it, it did stretch that for me too, Mo. <laughs> we have talked quite a bit about how we are devotees of M. Night Shyamalan. And he had a strong come out with Sixth Sense. And then he kind of had hit or yeah. misses after that. So Get Out came out strong for Jordan Peele. And now you have us that's kind of, we're meh on. How do you mm-hmm. feel about Jordan Peele as as a director, as a film creator now, uh, vis-a-vis how we feel about Shyamalan. How's he doing? <laughs> uh, it, I think it's going to be his third movie is going to tell me that, <laughs> actually. Ah, because, I see. Because you look Jury's at the first one, six, yeah, six <laughs> Sense came out awesome, right? Thinking yep. about Shyamalan. Then he did um, Unbreakable. Good movie. Good movie. Very good movie. Yeah, not, well, as good well, as good good not as good. Sense, right, but, right. but mm-hmm. a good movie. And then he just kind of tanked after that. <laughs> really? I mean, <laughs> now, he didn't just tank. Did. He went into a serious lull and now he is back yeah. on top. Now well, he's, he's back on he, top. He's Absolutely. back in the middle. We'll say he's back in the middle. Yeah, split was right. really good. I enjoyed yes. Split. Oh, no, Split I thought was awesome. Yeah. Split, and, yeah. not a perfect movie, but great. Back back in form for Shyamalan. Yeah. Right, right. exactly. So this one I think is going to be his third movie. He's really going to tell, like, did he learn? You know, That's going to be the verdict for and, you. Okay. Speaking of like things that we like younger and older though, we were all fans of the Orville, right? right. Yes, we are. And George, I think you had a really interesting kind of commentary uh, well, on the last episode. I mean, I don't know if it's interesting or not. It depends on what our I thought it was. podcast okay, listeners feel. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I've brought up the Orville several times in Rightfully the so. this oh, season yeah, we all have as well you should. Awesome. during yep. the podcast because I feel like that this season, A, they've matured. We've talked about that just now. Mm-hmm. And B, they're going back and they're grabbing specific storylines from Star Trek Next Generation and modernizing them in most parts for by far the betterment of the story. Improving them. Yes. Yeah. This past week, we had Orville lasting impressions. The whole ship is transporting a historical artifact. It was a time capsule that was dug up in Earth <laughs> back, you know, from the early 21st century. They're transporting it to a museum and 
they see all these different things that were in the time capsule. It was like a pack of Oreos by yeah, Tim Russ. Exactly. Yeah, Tim Russ is the guy who's transporting it along with him. I guess he's <laughs> yep. the archaeological historian, whatever you want to call yep, it. Yep, yep. Mo said Oreos. There's the two th- main focal points out of the time capsule for the story. Number one are cigarettes, which I found hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't normally think that. Like, when was the last time you saw cigarettes used in TV? It's been a long time that they've been a focal point of any story. And in this case, they make it really, really funny. And then an iPhone. And I thought to myself, holy crap, how has nobody (laughs) ever thought to do that in a time capsule before that I haven't heard about it yet? That's freaking awesome. And the thing about that phone, though, which I thought was really cool, was that the person who put it in there didn't clear it or delete it. That was the whole point. That was the the point of the story. That's awesome, though, isn't it? I mean, that's like... It's not just here's the tech we had. It was was a slice of her life. Here's my life. And Gordon is fascinated. First of all, he's obviously drawn to her because she's a very beautiful woman. It's Leeton Meester, Meister, however you say her name. I can never pronounce her name correctly. And she's got all her texts in there, which she's fascinated by. She's got her pictures in there and there's a little video and she's like, hey, future people, you know, I don't know when you're going to find this. I'll be long dead, but I hope this gives you a little slice of what life was like here and blah, blah, blah in the 21st century. And he's just fascinated. So he takes the phone, takes it down to the holodeck or whatever the hell they call it on this show. (laughs) We know it's a holodeck. Gets it to interface with the computer, uploads the whole thing and creates a simulation of her and her life so that he can experience it for himself. That is the exact synopsis of Star Trek Next Generation Booby Trap. Remind me what Booby Trap was about. What was the, I mean, just told me the basic premise, but it wasn't an iPhone from San Francisco. What was it about? Booby Trap is they encounter this alien space creature that flies around in space. It seems to be dying. They've discovered that it's pregnant. They give it a cesarean section with their laser beams. Right. And oh, yeah, the little yeah. baby comes out. It sucks onto the ship and it starts draining the ship of power. Oh, right, right. Okay. Right? Yep. yep. Okay. I'm with you. I so Jordy needs to try and figure out what they can do to get out of this situation. So he calls up the schematics of the Enterprise from when it was built at Utopia Polynesia Space Yard. And <laughs> he... <laughs> All factual. Sorry. I'm right? with you. <laughs> and he threw that study of the person who was the lead designer for oh, the Enterprise. right, right. And Jordy calls in love with the, the woman facsimile. who did the designs. Yeah. Yes, Dr. Gotcha. Leah Brahms, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm with you 100% yeah, now. Yeah, the now holiday creates the facsimile of her he falls in love with her then he realizes oh it's you know I, I'm getting too caught up in this and episode yep. ends and they hit the big red reset button and they move on the next week that's right the yep. Orville though with Gordon Malloy he falls in love with a girl as you might expect very early on it's right from the beginning you can see he's yeah, enamored yeah. with he's, this yeah, character I can tell you though the, the video that she did like kind of introducing herself to the future people uh-huh. I, that like I was like holy cow that was I thought that was awesome I mean that was like I could see why he would like fall for her yeah, well, yeah. I mean, she, she was very personal it was, it was, she was very funny. funny. She was it outgoing. Was, yeah. yeah she was, was excited about the future. Too, she talks about, you know, she realized that people, when people see this, she'll be dead. I'm long dead. Yeah. There's a kind of realization in that. That thing kind of set, I think, the whole rest of the episode. I found that they did the episode really well. They took that small, because the booby trap episode, that was just one segment of that episode. It wasn't the main focus, but they took that one little nugget from booby trap and they turned it into a much deeper episode philosophically with lasting oh, impressions. Yeah. Orville is just knocking it out of the park. If Absolutely. you're not watching Orville and you're a fan of sci-fi, please go back, start with season one. Yeah. Yeah. But take it with a grain of salt though. <laughs> the first couple of episodes, <laughs> yeah, just kind of go with but it. It's really good. And anytime you've got Mocklins smoking a bunch of cigarettes and hiding them oh, from each other, and then having a big fight <laughs> that about it. Crack me up. That's awesome. What a sensation. Do you get the tingly feeling? <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's Jaws Mouth! Kill 
unless I get a juicy burger that tastes charbroiled. Let's say hello to Hardy's. Hello, Hardy's. Well, hello, Hardy's. Juicy burger tastes charbroiled. Hardy's, you saved all the boats. Drawn and Paneled is a brand new comic book focused podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Hey, I'm George. And I'm Jason. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love. And we cover everything from the golden age to the modern age. If you're a comic book fan who enjoys going beyond the page to learn about the history and creators who bring the characters to life, we're for you. You can find Drawn and Paneled wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at Gen X Grown Up. Com. Talk to you guys soon. John, I know that there's um, a Kickstarter that we both were in, and I heard that you got some news on that. Well, yeah, I have both some news, and uh, as I often do, the placebo effect, if I'm waiting for new tech and it doesn't come, I do something else sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we both backed this all controller on Kickstarter some time oh, ago. Yeah, I remember you. Yeah. Remember that one? Okay. That was like a year yeah. ago. Right? Yeah, I, I did a, a video on YouTube why I backed it. It was a universal controller that can sync with just about anything, you know, configurable, mappable, macros, mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. I still don't have it, still not around. <laughs> Back just a few weeks ago, March 14th of this year, they said it should be shipping within weeks. Now, I don't know if that means two weeks or 30 weeks from now, but in, within weeks, they said or it will be shipping. weeks is weeks. <laughs> That's right. They say it's coming. But in the meantime, I still find that I have a need for that. Uh, mm-hmm. I recently upgraded my uh, Android tablet that I travel with. And because it's much more powerful, I started doing emulation on it. And it's one thing to do like Super Nintendo emulation. That's awesome. I can do, uh, you know, I can play Donkey Kong and you can touch the screen to control stuff, you know, a little bit. You can put your finger on it. But I started doing GameCube emulation. I'm playing you know, Pikmin or Pikmin 2 or something. Think about a GameCube controller and all the knobs and buttons mm-hmm. and wheels. And yeah. imagine doing that on the touchscreen on top of the game that oh, you're yeah. playing. No, That's not happening. Control. That yeah. is not going to happen. So I started looking for another way to control my Android tablet when I'm doing emulation of old classic arcade consoles. And I looked around a bit and I settled on this thing by a company called 8-Bit Do. You might have heard of them. Mm, nope. So this isn't a Kickstarter thing, right? This is something you just purchased? No, no. This is, since the Kickstarter is not here yet, I still have a need and it's not in my hands yet. <laughs> so I needed something that was both small I could travel with and do the job. So I found this thing by 8BitDo called the SF30 Pro. Okay. To look at it, it looks like a Super Nintendo controller. It's the same color. It's kind of the same shape. It's got the D-pad and some buttons on it. But then you look a little longer like, hey, it's got two thumbsticks on it, <laughs> like a modern controller. And you kind of flip it over and it's like, hey, it's got, you know, two bumpers and two triggers on it. The more you look at it, the more you realize this controller that's the size of a classic Super Nintendo controller has everything you need for just about every console. And that's what this 8-bit do is. So it's the all controller while you're waiting for the all controller. It is. My goodness, I'm still (laughs) waiting on the all controller. And so I was able to find something that basically does a vast majority of what the all controller was supposed to do. And you can get it today. I'm going to bet it's cheaper than the Kickstarter money you kicked into. I'm going to say you're probably right. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure that's true. It doesn't have a touch screen. It doesn't have like loadable profiles and macros, but in terms of controlling multiple devices, can it Bluetooth and drive Android? Yep. iOS? Yep. Nintendo Switch? Yep. Xbox? Yep. PC? Absolutely. Wow. Oh, really? Wow. Based on how you start it, you hold down a button and another button and it comes up in a mode so that it's designed to work with that kind of device. So one controller can be synced with multiple things, one at a time, of course. 
I'm using this thing to play Pikmin and Super Mario Land on the Nintendo DS and all those things that I have emulated on my tablet. It fits in my bag. You know what size it is. Fully wireless. Has a USB-C charger on it that seems to last forever. I've never seen it go dead. I've charged it once since I got it and it's yet to die. I'm not dishing on the all controller. It might be the second coming. But at this point, I'm not as eager for it because I have something that's doing the job. Plus, it's completely portable. It fits, I wouldn't say your pocket, but you could put it kind of in your bag. It doesn't take up much more space than like a cell phone does. Well, and it's got, I'm looking on Amazon now because, you know, of course, as soon as you mention a tech toy, I'm going to go start looking to see if I need to buy it. And it's got some solid ratings. It's had, you know, a little over 50 reviews so far, and it's at 4.7 out of 5. Right. That's People bad, like yeah. it. It looks like it's ranging anywhere from 32 to $40. So that mm-hmm. sounds very reasonable for what you're describing. And if you can take it with you on the go, like you're saying, it can connect to multiple devices. I like the fact that it only connect to one device at a time, because I hate if I have both my tablet and my phone near me and I turn on a standard Bluetooth controller. It tries to Just grab connect it. to yeah. one or the other and then you're screwed trying to figure out the other one. Turn this one off, turn that one off. I like that it just does one thing at a time. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I could see buying one of these. And if it's something that you're looking for, if you're thinking about the all controller or you just have a need for that, what kind of surprised me was that it's compatible with the Switch. The Switch has some extra buttons yeah. or the plus and the minus buttons. It's got those on the face of the controller even. So you could even use this as a Switch controller if you needed another one. Uh, and I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, it looks like that it's been around for a while. They've got an SN30 and an SF30. Yeah, 8-Bit Do has a whole range of controllers. And I actually poked around the different ones that were available and this one looked like it might do what I needed and I'll be damned if it's not. And talk about lack of latency. You know, Bluetooth controllers often can be notorious for you push the button and it might take a, you know, like a... Just that smidgen of time. Uh, yeah, right? like a quarter oh, right, of a second yeah. before the reaction. But you play something like, I'm playing the Super Mario Land from Nintendo DS and Mario jumping in his navigation, that's pretty precise. You got to jump on that flagpole at the end and leap just the right time to get the top. And I'm not feeling the latency at all. It feels like spot on. Wow, so, that's good. Yeah. For a wireless yeah. device, that's very important. Great. Something else I have to buy. <laughs> You don't have to. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. Come on. Let's be if real. If you want to, we'll put a link down in the show notes uh, and you <laughs> click on it. While we're on the topic of tech toys, there's one more I want to talk about that I actually teased at the top of the show. I said we're going to talk about some tech that you could use in the bedroom. Do I have to hear this? <laughs> I'm not listening. La, la, do I want to hear It's not what you think, though. It's not what you think it is. How do you know what I'm thinking? Are you in my brain? How do you know George, what I'm thinking? George, I know exactly what you're thinking. Yeah, Stop you're right. it. That's Just quit true. it. <laughs> <laughs> I was traveling as I often do. I was staying at a relatively new hotel. It's been around about six months or so, which the great thing about new hotels is they have all the newest gizmos and gadgets and lots of USB ports and plugs and everything. And uh, on the second night I was there, I noticed over on the bottom shelf of a nightstand was something down there. And I'm like, is this a webcam? Uh-oh. What's happening in my hotel room? <laughs> and lo and behold, it had an on off switch. And I'm like, well, I got to turn it on and see what the hell it does. <laughs> Is this little thing, it's a little dome, a little black dome, and it has a little on-off switch on the bottom. I turned it on and it just started making noise. And I'm like, oh shit. This hotel provides a white noise machine. Oh, okay. 
a lot of people need those to sleep. I have often had a lot of sleep problems myself. I have done Ambien, I've done Z-Quil, NyQuil, whatever quill they make at Walgreens, Walgreens quill, you know, and I, I can get some sleep with some medication, but I find that I wake up and I'm really groggy and I have kind of a hangover from drugs that help me sleep. And if I don't want to do that and feel groggy, then I often have trouble going to sleep and staying asleep, especially when I'm traveling. So I was, I thought I would try this thing and I turned it on and it made noise. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. I had maybe the best night's sleep that I have had in maybe, maybe a year without medication just wow. because this little white noise machine was running and, and it was in the hotel room and I checked and yeah, sadly it was screwed to the table. So <laughs> you couldn't take you it. You were going to steal their white noise machine? I was wow. just checking. I was just checking. <laughs> just so- checking if you could stick it in your bag, you damn thief. So I went to Amazon and I found the exact brand. It's called the Marpac Dome. This is a little natural white noise machine. Now, anybody that suffers from having trouble sleeping, they know about white noise. It's essentially creating this this hiss or hum in the background that tries to drown out other stuff. It's like a neutral sound, right? More or less. It is. Yeah. And I did some research because I'm like, why did I sleep so well? And they have different ones, white noise and gray noise and pink noise based on the timber. And they have apps on your phone that can generate those sounds. And I've tried those, but they didn't do much for me. This one is literally what they call a natural white noise machine, meaning it's a real fan running inside of it, blowing through fins on the outside of the device. It doesn't just like generate any wind or anything. It's just the noise of the air moving through it creates this, you know, this kind of white noise. And I'll be damned if I didn't go and buy one. I tried it at home to see if it was something something else random going on at the hotel. Nope. I had a great night of sleep at home. And so now I have two of them, one in my travel bag and one by my <laughs> nightstand. <laughs> if you have any trouble sleeping, oh my goodness, I, I wouldn't have believed it. If you told me, yeah, just have this thing humming next to you, but I'll be damned. It really, really makes a difference. I mean, admittingly, it does sound very um, pseudoscience, medical kind of stuff. You know? No, you're right. Like, oh, yeah, no, it's take like- this herb and you'll whatever white noise though i mean there's been i mean that's been around for a long time yeah white noise has but you've also talking about when it comes to sleep it's mostly things like hear the tropical rainforest sounds or the dolphins or this yeah, and the other. white yeah, noise itself silly. hasn't really sounds. been necessarily like, why the hell would I sleep to whale to sounds sleep yeah <laughs> <laughs> White noise hasn't been really applied to sleep as much. I mean, I'm I have severe sleep apnea, so I have to use a CPAP machine and mm-hmm. something like this. I often have to use earplugs just because sometimes the CPAP machines they get a little noisy, or it's you don't want the sounds around you to wake you up when the machine is helping you to breathe properly. This thing sounds like something would be great for me. As amazed as I was by it, I read a little more about it, and so the premise behind it is so you understand that REM sleep, we all know the rapid eye yeah. movement thing. That's when you. That's your deepest sleep. That's when you dream. That's all. That's what you say, like the most helpful sleep too, isn't it? That's right. The most restful. Uh, so what happens is during the night, there are little sounds. There's a creak. The cat scampers across the foot of the bed or the, there's a drip or whatever. And those things pull you out of REM sleep, but you don't remember it. It pulls you out. So you're no longer in that heaviest sleep and it takes another five, 10 minutes to go back to sleep. So you're losing large portions of your sleep to little noises that pull you out of your deepest sleep, but you don't remember waking up. And what this white noise machine 
machine does is it drowns out any of those superfluous noises. And sure enough, I have dreams that I remembered and I had, I don't remember my dreams for most of the time. And when I use this machine, I remember dreams and I remember dreaming and I feel super rested with less sleep. I would not be without it anymore. I've used it for maybe two weeks now. Holy heavens. I mean, it's, it's now permanent. That part sounds of like me exactly sleeping. when I got my seatbelt machine, it was the same thing for years and years being pulled out of sleep because you're snoring or your breath is catching that kind of thing. And then that first night you usually like, oh my God, I never want to sleep any other way again. <laughs> well, now imagine on top of that, what if you weren't waking up due to noises? That's Bolt what I'm together? saying. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm going to go ahead and get a couple of these for our house. It's about the size of like a 50 pack spindle of, of CDs is like what it looks like. Sits on the nightstand. So George, if you decide to pick one of these up, I'd be curious to know uh, what you think of it. Same thing true of fourth listeners. If you have experience with one of those, do you have the same experience or am I unique that it will help me or not? How much did it run by the way? I think it runs about 50 bucks, which sounds like a lot, but not so much to get a good night's sleep. Yeah, really? <laughs> That's a bargain. <laughs> Yoo-hoo, Whipple! Uh-oh, Hoffmeyer. I'm letting them squeeze the Charmin in my store. Hoffmeyer, are you crazy? <laughs> Ladies, measure how big and fluffy Charmin is. Big and fluffy? Charmin's so squeezably soft, it's irresistible. Please, don't squeeze the Charmin. Could you use a helping hand on your next electronics project? Quad Hands is the ultimate third hand helping hands vice and hobby station. The first thing you'll notice is how heavy a quad hands is. It's made from solid steel and then coated with a baked on powder coat for a durable finish. And the rubber feet are gonna keep it from sliding on your bench and give you a nice sturdy work surface. Those flexible all metal gooseneck arms feature rotating alligator clips to hold your boards and wires firmly in place. And removable silicone covers come pre-installed on those clips to protect those delicate wires and boards. And those arms can be put anywhere you need them. No fumbling around with awkward joints that are difficult to position. The quad hands was designed to help you do your best work it's built to last right here in the USA and backed by a lifetime guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Order yours today from Amazon or quadhands.com. Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners can save 20%. Just use offer code GENXUP20. That's G-E-N-X-U-P-2-0. For your next project, let a quad hands hold what your hands create. Welcome to games. That's it. I'm not doing any more. That's all you're what? getting. Uh, so, no, I, I feel no, I'm done. It's all the circus <laughs> jokes and all this, that, and the other. No, uh, Mo, tell us what the hell you're playing. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't feel at all motivated now. Um, <laughs> it's, all Good. Right. Done. End of the episode. <laughs> I, I found this game. It was on my wish list for a while, and it just hit a Steam sale. It's called Opus Magnum. Steam sales are so dangerous. I know. And (laughs) I really like puzzle games. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, like, The Witness and those kinds of things. Like, those games. Mm -hmm. I just love those things. I could play them for hours and hours and hours. This one, it actually hits, like, all the right cylinders for me as far as puzzle games. Now, I'm going to probably do a really bad job describing the game, but I'm going to do my best. It's basically you have a hexagon map, right? Okay. And your job is to, in a sense, create molecules, but they're not molecules. It's actually some sort of alchemy thing behind this, the scenes. But anyway, it's so you take different, like a blue circle and you have to move it next to this red circle and combine them. And then if you combine those two, that makes something that you combine with something else. So like they interact with each other based on the kind of element you made or? Um, well, it's it's more like you're just kind of forcing them together. Like, and I don't it, it doesn't use molecules as, as what it's talking about, but it's the easiest way for me to understand oh, it. Oh, like chemistry, like, like things that are attracted to each other. Right, kind exactly. Of like oh, okay, make, all right. You yeah. can make like a water molecule, right? And so oh, you yeah, yeah, think sure. that if you put a hydrogen and oxygen, it'll, combine, it'll bind them together. Then you can add another hydrogen and bind it together mm-hmm. and then you have water, right? Yep. That's kind of the theory behind it. And the tools they give you 
though, are so cool. Like you have a thing that could pick up and rotate. You have something else that can combine two things, like it has two slots. Like if you drop a blue in here and a white in here, it'll combine them. Like it'll link them together so they move as a unit after that. Um, you have like kind of like a tractor thing, like a tread that you say you put it here and then you could command it to move it across. But basically you're building like a factory to, so you're trying to create this like, oh, here's a jet fuel for the new air machines and that kind of stuff. Mm, okay. And you build all the stuff though on a timeline, which to me is the really cool part. How do you mean a timeline? You mean like you said, like jet fuel or something and then later you need like- you Oh, know. no, no. When I say timeline, it's like when you're building this contraption on this grid is that you have like, you know, the moving arm. So you, you drop a moving arm onto the grid and now that has a number associated with it and it has a, a line on your timeline. So then you give commands to that arm on the timeline. So you have an arm, say, pick up this item, move it to, you know, swing around three times and then drop it. Then you have a command, drop another arm and have a command and say, okay, swing over, pick up that thing that was just dropped and move <laughs> it to this other location. I am equal parts intrigued and baffled by what you're trying to explain I know, to it's, me it's, right it's, I wish I could do a better job <laughs> explaining this thing. It's, so is this something you can just pick up and play for five or 10 minutes or is this a more in-depth kind of puzzle game? No, actually, especially early on, you know, you can play definitely for five or 10 minutes. Now you may not completely finish a puzzle in five or 10 minutes, but it saves your spot. You know, it saves everything you've built. So you can come okay. back to it later. Okay, you so you can stop mid- midway through a puzzle and continue. Absolutely. And there's this whole story behind it too, which is I'm like, okay, whatever. I know I'm doing a horrible job of describing what this is because it's not <laughs> the easiest thing to explain. But I guarantee, I mean, I love these kinds of puzzles. And this one, I mean, I've already played probably like five or six hours on it. George, you there? Are you muted? No, I'm here. I'm just oh, okay. like confused. I'm sure he's like, I don't get it. I'm just bored as hell at this point. I'm like, this game sounds terrible. Mo, are you, it sounds like you're going to get your quarries out of this game because of just the setup and everything. I'm guessing it, since you said it was on sale, it's a reduced price. How much did it cost? Uh, see, on Steam right now, it's about 13 bucks. It's like half off. So normally it's a $26 wow. game. 13 hours for a puzzle game? You think you're getting that out of it? Really? I've gotten six already. Oh, okay. And All right. I'm at the very beginnings of it. And I've gone, and also I've gone back to some of the earlier puzzles and try to redo them with kind of like, oh, do I better. this new trick. Okay. Yep. You know, and I can do better. So it's, it's to me, I think it's totally going to get my Corey's plus out of this for sure. As you were trying to describe it, it sounds like something difficult to get across verbally, but something that's captivated you visually. So yeah. So what I'll do is I'll, when I post the show notes, I'll actually put like a little video of like how a, a solution looks. Or if they have a trailer or something. Much better view well, that'll make more sense. Awesome. Okay. It'll make a lot more sense that way. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Before we get out of games, we, we talked about another uh, Kickstarter, the All Controller. And remember the old Atari VCS, my friends? Yeah. Oh, the one that you, that, wait, did you talk about that? Like, Was geez, that the wood green thing you spent like $7 million on or something? Okay. Everybody just back off. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. <laughs> yes. So this is the thing that I backed on Indiegogo against all of the my better judgment. Indiegogo, the Kmart of Kickstarter. Of Kickstarters. <laughs> <laughs> the Walmart right. of Kickstarter. Right. It's not even the Walmart. It's the Kmart. No, it's the Kmart. It is, <laughs> it is the yeah. Kmart. So this was the new console, uh, stupidly named the VCS, the same name as the original yeah, that's confusing Atari hell, VCS from the 70s, but they're naming it the VCS again. This is the new console that when I talked about it before, yes, I backed it. Yes, I, I bought a higher tier than I should have. And everybody is saying it's a scam. Don't do it. It's not going to be stupid. I want to say it was announced back in like June of 2017. Then they didn't okay. start taking pre-orders until May of 2018, almost a full year ago. And? Delivery was supposed to be early 2019. <laughs> okay. Here we are, mid-2019. It looks like this thing has been delayed again. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
Vapor hardware at its finest. Yeah, yeah. So what they're saying is they at least have somebody that knows how to write a press release. They're putting such a spin on it. They're saying- That's where all your money went to hiring a press team. To hiring PR. You're right, they did. (laughs) I did the timeline because announced in 2017, which means ostensibly someone was working on it in 2017, right? Well, they were drawing it at least. Okay, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So here we are full two years later and and it's not out. And so they're saying they're delaying it because they're updating the CPU from the original one. (laughs) All right, that okay. That it's gonna be faster. It's gonna be better. You're waiting so long. We don't want to be disappointed. We have the latest six million stuff. dollar manning this thing. It's gonna be better, faster, stronger. Who knows? It'll be delayed again. The the Indiegogo site still says July 2019, but their press release has said end of 2019 now. Which we all know in crowdfunding that means early 2020, right? <laughs> At yeah, best. Really. I, so remind me again. Is this thing supposed to play original Atari 2600 games or all new modern games? God what damn the hell it, George. is this thing going to do? I still well, don't know what it, it does. <laughs> I still have no idea what it does. That's the thing. They have only alluded, like they say, hey, it's going to play Tempest 2000. Like, okay, that's okay. been out for 10 years. <laughs> so why do they need to upgrade the CPU then? That's what I'm trying to wrap I know, my brain around. Older games, so it'd be faster. The CPU for it. It's faster. So it'll be Games. Does that mean the little blip on Yars Revenge will chase you around the screen even faster than it already did in the it original game? It won't flicker as much. I, see, they have not much. established what the hell it does. They said it's a new console, retro and current and modern and customizable, but they haven't said, at the very least in my brain, it needs to come with a whole library of Atari 2600 games baked on. At the you minimum, know, it's got to start with I say this, that. but I've been watching a lot of The Office and Parks and Rec, and this feels like a damn episode from one of those shows at this point like somebody came up with an idea yeah and, i know you know like tom Hereford said know. oh look at this bling 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 i know <laughs> yeah it's, it does feel like that i feel like that it's all sizzle and no steak so far and now it's even later steak oh my I mean, goodness how can they possibly live up to anybody's they can't. It's a, it, they're, they've I, jumped yeah. that shark about three times already yeah yeah so so I'm still backing the Atari VCS and it's been delayed until late <laughs> 2019. More, do you? You're already kind of pot committed at this point. <laughs> they have my money. You might be backing it, but I think it backed the hell over you. I, I may, it may have. Yeah. It's like beep, beep, Okay, beep. I have a question, John. Just Oh, sure. George unloaded on me. Go ahead, Mo. John, serious question too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. What attracted you to get this right off the bat? <sighs> Well, the Atari name, obviously, the fact that it, it it alluded to being a nostalgic console. Again, it, this was it was all kind of like how they positioned themselves. There was no hard and fast. Exactly. It was the wood no paneling. That's what it was. The, the wood grain didn't hurt, but <laughs> it, it positioned itself as kind of a retro console. Right. Right. And I, I'm a sucker for that. It's got the Atari name on it, which should not in and of itself get my money, but often it does. Right. And, you know, here I sit, you know, with a lighter wallet and nothing in my hands yet. Okay, so in your imagination, since that's all we have right now. <laughs> Damn it! Because <laughs> there's nothing physical to it. What is it that you would have to get right now for you to say, okay, this is what I, this satisfies what I thought I was going to get? I think <sighs> Nolan Bushnell himself would have to come over, install it, and play Yars Revenge with John at this point. <laughs> it's a, Mo, it's, it's a great question. What does it have to do to make me happy, right? So, right, yeah, exactly. They need to fucking deliver it. That would help. Right, that would be one. But when you open that box, like what's, you I know, know, you know, I also back the Ouya back in the day. 
you guys remember the Ouya console that was? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I have one of those. I got Uh it. It was a little late, not as late as this was. And I didn't play it a lot because it turned out that it did a lot of the things that by the time it arrived, I was already doing in emulation and on my phone and stuff like that. So I didn't use it much. Probably what's going to happen is I'm going to get this and it's going to do things that I already do on other platforms. And I'm going to say, yay. And it's, it's going to look great on my shelf. I, I don't know at this point what they can do to make it worth the time and hassle and money. The money is not such a big deal if they just delivered what it's they just, said they I mean, would. It's, it's sunk cost at this point, right? It's, <laughs> you already spent the money. The money is gone now, right? At this point, it's like, what's going to make it the thing that I want to use regularly? I don't know if there is such a thing. I mean, I'm more about integrating and getting rid of equipment. And here I am buying a purpose-built thing that I don't even know what the hell it does yet. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going to be grabbing an 8-bit do SF30 Pro, hook my phone up through an HDMI adapter to my television, and I'll be doing all the same stuff that you don't even know that you will be able to do with the Atari VCS. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Attention shoppers. The new Atari cartridge game is in. Atari's AFC battle. It comes with 27 games, but that's just for starters. You can get nine cartridges, 187 games. Blackjack. <laughs> oh! I'd like an Atari. Sorry, only our demonstrators left. Rounding out the episode, we like to take a moment here to talk about the things that we have not yet seen or done we're looking forward to between now and the next time we get together. Like the Atari VCS console. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. No, that's, that's like <laughs> episode 2000, okay? It's not going to come out between now and the next episode, I am sure. <laughs> no. This is episode 3,455, and John just got in his... Do- <laughs> and, and it says it shipped. It says it shipped. <laughs> <laughs> I got a tracking number. I am looking forward to uh, a new series based on a film. This comes out the day, actually right before this episode goes live. For you in the future, it is now available to watch. For me, it's still a, a week or so out. What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, hey, that was a mockumentary, really good. right? An awesome mockumentary. Yes, oh, yeah, it was very hilarious. Good. I remember yep, watching it was that one. all about a modern day vampires and werewolves, incidentally, living in a Sharing modern a day city. They're all roommates together, <laughs> roommates. dealing with regular roommate stuff and also regular vampire problems. If yeah. vampires did friends. That's exactly what it was. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah, they argue about who's going to do dishes and, you know, they have all the mirrors covered up. It was such a fun mockumentary and I'd heard they might do a series about it and I'll be damned if they didn't. What We Do in the Shadows, 327. Uh, even one of the guys from the IT crowd, the guy that played uh, uh, Renum, was, uh, is mm-hmm. one of the vampires. I think that's pretty neat. And I've seen some trailers for it and it looks freaking hilarious. It does look hilarious. good. I've seen a, quite a few commercials on it. It looks really funny. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching that one. <laughs> George, what are you looking forward to? Well, oddly enough, one of our favorites here on the show, Barry oh, yeah. from HBO, yeah. the hitman trying to yep. do good, is coming back on March Woo-hoo! 31st. So whole new second season. Really glad it got picked up. There was some rumor going back and forth as to whether or not it really? was, but this did definitely get picked up. It's coming out on March 31st and I can't wait to watch I'm the new season. Where the hell they're going to go for that last I episode? Know, like Barry did some dirt in the last episode of the first season yeah. so mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to clean up some uh, a little bit of mess the trailer looks pretty there trailer i haven't seen so, it i can see the trailer yeah, i haven't either yeah yeah there's trailers out holy cow <sighs> more berry mo what about you i still have faith in jordan peele just oh, like yeah. m night Shyamalan. okay yeah. I, will, I have faith third movie's not out yet we could see is jordan peele involved in the atari vcs project Thank god no, no he's not, he's not. <laughs> 
But what he is doing is something that I've been waiting for forever, which is a reboot of Twilight Zone series. Yeah. Oh, right. And he's yep. doing the Rod Serling part, you know, where yep. he's, he's going to show host. up at the beginning the and hosting host. it, yeah. and, you know, kind of give some background and all that. And I think he's like, he's executive producing too, right? He's not yeah, just he a, the figurehead. Right. Yep. I looked at the trailer and the thing that got me, which I was like, I love right away is it looks like they're actually original stories. Like they're not rehashing the original Twilight Zones. Or and if they heavy are, hitters. Yeah. And the acting. I actors, wow. I mean, they're just... Every, I mean, you will know somebody in every episode. They're like, oh, my God, that's so-and-so from there. That's so-and-so from there. It made me think about the fact that the original Twilight Zone, it had a bunch of stars before they were stars. Before they were sure. stars, yeah. This is the Twilight Zone has stars, and they are stars now. Yeah, they're getting, yeah. like, big names. Just looking at the storylines and all the stuff that they're doing, I'm like, these. I mean, they're all original. So, And Jordan Peele, like I said, I think he definitely has a lot of skill and talent, and I think he'll do justice to the show. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I'll be there right there with you. And when do those kick off, Mo? Uh, April 1st. Is the first one? Are oh, you just fooling? Oh, really? When does it kick nice. off? Nice, my anniversary. Woo-hoo. Appropriately enough, George's anniversary is April first. <laughs> yes, it is. Wow. Wait, who is fooling who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no question about it. Yep. And one more that I'm looking forward to, actually, April fifth, just after that, is the release of Shazam in the theaters. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, this this is the first DC film that I am really like actually on my own interested in. I've been kind of peripherally yeah. interested in others and we all saw Justice League together because it was the promise of it being a little more fun which we enjoyed seeing it but Shazam looks funny as hell and it reminds me of like the first season of The Flash on TV where it was a guy who was jazzed about the fact that he was a superhero and I love that that kind of innocence and excitement you know not just I am dark I am a superhero it's more of a like yeah dude I got powers (laughs) well it's a kid who gets turned into a superhero so you know imagine if you were 14 years old and all of a sudden you had superpowers and you were taller and muscular and good looking and everything that's yeah yeah. that's what that innocence and that excitement is uh, really cool Yep. Yeah, let me tell you, like the first trailer, when I saw the first trailer of Shazam, I was kind of like, eh, you know, it looked funny. I'll probably see it. The second trailer, though, hooked me on it. Something about the second trailer, because it was a little more, it was funny, but they had a little more seriousness to it. Well, you saw a, a shade more of the kind of story and characters, too, in it. But right, exactly. I, I was, so I was, I was like, already yep. hooked on the first trailer myself. So. Oh, really? No, it took me it took me two trailers on this one, but I'm okay. definitely hooked All right. looking forward to it. What about you, comic book man? You're going to see it, right? Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been a big Shazam fan, honestly. That wasn't a character that I was drawn to in the comics at all. We are going to be reviewing Shazam the the New Beginning, which is the four-part miniseries that came out right after Crisis on Infinite Earths in 1987. So look for that on the drawn and paneled back issue. It... I'm just Shazam's not one of my favorite superhero characters, so I probably won't go see it in the theater. I don't give two shits about Shazam as a comic book hero. I saw like uh, maybe three episodes of the late 70s, early 80s TV series, and I've never read a comic book. Mm -hmm. I'm just watching this on the merits of how fun it looks as a film. It doesn't look that fun to me. That's my problem, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the main guy who's playing Shazam. I mean, it's Chuck, and that series was awesome, but I'm just not drawn to this Hmm. one, so I don't think I'm going to spend money in the theater. I'll wait for DVD or home release. Well, Well, you may be missing out. You're incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Not for the first time. (laughs) While you're going to watch it, I'll hang out at your house and wait for your Atari VCS to come in for you. How about that? Thank you. Dude, you don't have that much time. Right. The toy that lets you create beautiful pictures with light. Work with colorful pegs that glow with light. Light bulb not included. Make people, animals, things. And with refills, Bugs Bunny or Bozo the Clown. 
If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know, so if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us, they'll thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show, so hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy, plus you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. That is going to wind up another episode of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. Before we leave, I have to make certain that I send a huge thank you to all the folks who support us over on Patreon, all of our patrons. I'm talking to you, Jessica and Corey and Marcus and Dana and Slomo and Agile and T2 and Chewbacca and Thomas and Stian and Will, who has joined us since we last spoke. Thank I you, love Will. that I'm running out of breath. And Will is our first drawn and paneled specific patron. Will's dollar every once in a while is going to go straight to George. So he'll get that. That's right. <laughs> I get one quarter of a comic book. Thank you, all of you who support <laughs> us. Yeah, uh, if you want to join this amazing crew who help keep the lights on at Gen X Grown Up, head over to patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up, and we would love to have you support us. It means the world to us. We, of course, will be back in two weeks with a regular episode, but we'll be here next week with a backtrack edition of the show where we pick a single nostalgic topic and dig in deep on it. Mo, what are we talking about next week? Oh, man, I'm looking forward to this one. We're going to be talking about the movie-going experience as a Gen Xer. So going to the movies. So you don't go to the movies anymore. That's gone, right? Well, it's a different experience. <laughs> it's, it's the experience We of... still go a little bit. Yeah, it has changed dramatically since we were growing yeah. up. We're going to dig in on that. So be sure that you are here for that one. You will not want to miss it. Until then, I am John. George, thanks so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Oh, man, always fun. And fourth listener, we appreciate you most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? No games, no puns. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. <laughs> Mo, what are you playing? A game? A game <laughs> on Steam. Tell me about it. It's on Steam. Okay. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Yeah. I'm so glad we're not recording yet, are we? Oh, we I are just started shut. recording just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. <laughs> I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.